0: Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem.
1: This is Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. We are going to Hong Kong to talk to Marta DeVaco, who's the research assistant professor at Hong Kong Baptist University. Now, Marta's published a lot of research recently on ecosystems in Asia and Hong Kong and Greater China specifically. Her reports include Crouching Tigers, Hidden Dragons, and also she was the lead of the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor about Hong Kong and Shenzhen. So the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn about the Hong Kong tech ecosystem. We're going to learn, importantly, about the Greater Bay and Shenzhen, the latest research, and some great data as well that Marta is going to share about investment rates in Shenzhen compared to the rest of the world. It really is an eye-opener. So stick around for 30 minutes. Myself, Graham Brown, and Marta DeVeco are going to take you on a journey around the Greater Bay, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and the tech ecosystem.
0: Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.
1: Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. I'm joined by Marta Deveco, who is the Research Assistant Professor at Hong Kong Baptist University. Marta, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are you? Yeah, very good. Great to have you here. Just uh, let's sort of put a bit of backstory out there first. Where are you from, Marta?
0: I am originally from Poland, uh, I came to Hong Kong in 2005, hmm. and that's where my story, uh, my love for entrepreneurship started. Right. So,
1: um, so was that your first time in Asia, uh, Yes, yes, actually
0: yes, and it was my first time outside of Europe, if you All can right. imagine. Okay. So uh, so this was, uh, we arrived here with my then boyfriend, now husband, uh, and uh, he started working for a business here. and. And I started working at the university and then I proceeded with my, my academic career. Uh, worked mm-hmm. uh, work, work at Hong Kong University, a Chinese university, at Baptist University right now. So I did a, pretty much a tour of, of local mm-hmm. in, uh, educational institutions.
1: Great. And did, was <laughs> it part of your master plan when you came to Hong Kong? Were you thinking when you were back in Poland, right, we got to go to... Asia, because that's where the action is, because that's where the future of entrepreneurship is. Or was it more of let's just go and see what happens?
0: Well, I think uh, I think it was a little bit more of the second uh, <laughs> because uh, when I when I uh, when I graduated, actually actually graduated uh, with a degree in marketing, mm. and uh, and I had an idea, a big idea, to do a PhD outside of Poland. Uh, and, uh, and when I first started, started doing it, I, I really enjoyed it, but then I was looking for a field that was much more uh, uh, applied in a sense that it would give, give much more um, support to people who will be actually using this research in the future. Mm. And so arriving in Hong Kong and seeing what's, what's, uh, what's happening in here and how much how entrepreneurial it is, I know that at that time, people were complaining that Hong Kong was not that entrepreneurial, but if you come from from other places in the world, you actually see the big difference and what people are complaining about here. It has absolutely nothing to do with absolutely. other places in the
1: world. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, well, well, let's, I mean, we'll talk about so, your, so, your your research in a minute, but with obviously, Some of the reports that you've written, you've written, uh, well, some great reports, for example, like the Ecosystem Reports in Hong Kong, Crouching Tigers, Hidden Dragons, and you've been involved in the, or you've led the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor. We'll talk about those in a minute. You you raised an interesting point, Marta, about, you know, coming to Hong Kong and seeing entrepreneurship here. How did that compare, for example, coming from Europe? I mean, I'm from Europe like yourself, and in Mm. some ways it's the old world but you know in some ways it's very innovative and there is an entrepreneurship scene there is it different in any way in hong kong
0: well uh i think i think it's uh, it's very different so so when we go back a little bit to my journey i come from poland and and we were going through a big uh, systemic change right if you remember 1989 uh, there was a big change from, from a socialist uh, country to a uh, market economy and and, and, and people are s- setting up their businesses. They had to innovate in order to, to stay afloat. Mm. And from there, I moved actually for a few years to Belgium. And I could see the stark difference between the very dynamic new economy and economy that has been established for a long time, for decades. And it's quite slow in how it progresses so coming to Hong Kong, I kind of get, got back this, you know, this wind of, of, of quick change and opportunities and, 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 and things that, that actually happen quite quickly mm. and quite efficiently. Mm. So that was, to me, this kind of the, the difference between, between the well-established economies in Europe, the new economies, emerging economies in, within the European Union, and what I saw in Hong Kong. Mm. So I, I, could, I could very much more relate to to this new environment in hong kong
1: yeah and why did you decide to do research on that what was it interesting about those ecosystems and entrepreneurship in asia and hong kong specifically that you felt that you wanted to actually explore more
0: okay so this is there are actually two parts to this answer first answer is that we actually started our own business with my husband back in 2008 2007 2008 And, uh, and we saw, so, so starting a business right after the financial crisis uh, in the, in the economy that is uh, very much opportunity driven, but also has not that much of the support for startups. That was a pretty tough thing to do, I must say. Mm. And, um, And so that was that was something that uh, that gave me this idea of like, hold on, there should be actually institutions that help uh, startups to develop, that help entrepreneurs to go through those through those stages of development and help them with the progress. Uh, On the other hand, um, on the other hand, I was also doing my uh, my uh, PhD in entrepreneurship, and I also saw that there was a big gap in terms of what we actually know about the local markets. Uh, here, local meaning uh, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and, and Asia in general, and so and so I saw that that this is an opportunity for us to to get a better picture of what's going on in here, to have an, a a comparison and pro- uh, potentially a, a competitor to Silicon Valley and mm. and other ecosystems, and so there was a way for us to to kind of. Uh, Uh, help with uh, with developing this this whole scene so these are my two motivations
1: yeah I mean these are great motivations and (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you said back in 2008 when you started your business or you were involved in a business then it was a very different scene How, how was it compared to 10 years later entrepreneurship startups in Hong Kong
0: well, uh, whenever my students right now go out and set, set, set up businesses, I tell them, you, don't, you have no clue how lucky you are,
1: mm.
0: because, uh, because with everything that has been done in the past uh, past uh, probably five, five to six years, it's, it's an incredible growth in terms of the number of co-working spaces and acceleration programs and even financial support programs from the government in, uh, itself. It's, uh, it's an incredible growth. When we were starting in 2008, there was nothing of that kind. Mm. We had probably two co working spaces at the time, if, if any. Uh, the first uh, first uh, Business Angel Network was actually set up two years after we, we started. So, uh, you know, it was Hong Kong, Hong Kong ban, and that was established in 2010. And we we're starting up in 2008. So, that was already like two years of. Of uh, of delay in the in for us in in terms of accessibility of of, of uh, funds, uh, and so on and so forth. Like the you know the cyberport was barely getting started because it was set up in two thousand five. So there were lots of things that were already on a good you know on a good way to to being established and developing this ecosystem, but things were not there in place yet. So we're basically on our own for mm. for
1: most things. Mm. Do you think now it's it's too easy in the sense like you know your students who go out into the world have a, a very easy path? You kind of want them to hustle a little bit and struggle a little bit, don't you? Because you know back in two thousand eight, you had to be a little more creative. Maybe they didn't have so much support.
0: Yes, yes, of course, of course, you want them to to you know to to go go through those those motions and and, and struggle a little bit, right? Otherwise, it's too easy and they don't really learn much, right? Mm but uh, on the other hand, it also gives you a way of of um, of of improvising and iterating through ideas because if you don't have this ecosystem established if you don't have if you don't have all those those actors who, who can help you with potentially growing your 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 good idea your good opportunity well uh you might just stop after first iteration right yeah absolutely. you would just go and like oh okay i didn't I couldn't do it. I have no more support. So that's it. I'm Mm -hmm. going back to, you know, to being, uh, to doing whatever mundane job I was doing before.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is, if you look at the success of ecosystems around the world, whether it's Hong Kong or increasingly now a place like Singapore, where I am, where Mm -hmm. you have very supportive ecosystems, often you find that Yes, bad ideas sometimes get funded when they wouldn't necessarily have got funded. But it also means that a lot of good ideas, you know, get funded as well, where they wouldn't have got funded in situations where the, the ecosystem was less supportive. So all those good ideas, you know, have a chance. They have a chance, they have time, they have resources, and they have the support necessarily to take them to the market. And that's what's important about having a good ecosystem. So what's it actually like in Hong Kong now for for your students who graduate, go into the market, start their own businesses. Tell us a little bit about the, you know, the ecosystem and all, also the mindset of, you know, the, these youngsters going into the, the working world. Do, do they still dream of working for the banks? Or do people say, yeah, I want to become an entrepreneur now?
0: Well, uh so this thing is actually changing, and this is something that we saw in our research. So, so when we when we did our study uh, of uh, with the Global Entrepreneurship uh, Monitor, uh, in it was the study for 2017, 2016, 2017, we saw a big change in how people perceive entrepreneurship as a viable career, hmm. because before beforehand um, there was this a little bit of a notion of. Uh, parents not letting their kids pursue this path, because the parents have been through there, they suffered, they struggled, mm. because you, you know how Hong Kong history is, Hong Kong history is based on immigrants who came to the city and started from from scratch, they had absolutely nothing, so they, they struggled to develop their businesses, and w- when they had their own kids, they said like, well, you know what, I don't want my kid to go through this whole whole thing. Right. It was just too much for me. I want them to have an easy life. And, and so they, they turned, the, turned them in a way from from entrepreneurship. Now uh, we see this change. So we see that that uh, that youngsters are more and more interested in pursuing their own ideas. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, with the generation uh, that they are much more open to new opportunities, new ways of, of building their careers. Uh, they are much more inclined to to try and there uh and uh and and so uh and so in you know in, when I teach them in my class they are they are very uh they look for for ways of of kind of trying things out mm. and so and so for what we did at the university right now actually launched uh, a concentration in entrepreneurship which means that our bba students can uh, major in entrepreneurship and and by no all, uh, no means, we don't want all of them to become entrepreneurs when they mm-hmm. graduate. But what we want to do is to establish this mindset, this growth mindset uh, in in the new new generation that comes out to the market and say like, hey, I see this opportunity, let me take it, right? I see a problem within my big, larger organization that I know I can solve, let's do it, right? There are no more, we don't want uh, any more of the complacent mindsets. We want people to go out to to work environment and say hey I can actually change things I can I can do something better out of the situation that is around me mm. and so what, this is what we are trying to to achieve right now with the new concentration and with the and also with the research that we that we do because mm. at the end of the day we want to see how things are obviously but we also want to see how we can we can potentially move from from this from this point into the future and how we can improve the ecosystem we can improve people's mindset we improve the education to 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 grow this new generation of entrepreneurs
1: let's uh explore the research a little bit marty if we can and get some of the findings out of there and i think it's important for the listeners to put this into context we're talking right now not long after the the bullet train between hong kong and mainland china guangzhou Yes. has opened i think now it what is it 40 minutes from hong kong to guangzhou that you can get across the, i mean yes i don't know how many minutes it is to shenzhen it's probably about 15 minutes to shenzhen isn't it, from probably hong- yes
0: something like
1: that so i mean it it's just down the road now i mean so my question is is to to what extent you know what is driving this growth of entrepreneurship in hong kong and and to what extent is china so greater china you know mainland just being over the border the greater bay That sort of mindset in Shenzhen, for example, you know, I imagine Mm -hmm. in Shenzhen, you know, that sort of mindset of comfort didn't exist. So young people growing up in Shenzhen now, you know, being an entrepreneur is is the default almost or you've got to go out and hustle. You've got to go and start a business (laughs) because there's no option, right? There is no large multinational corporation you can work for. Or, well, there is now, but there, you know, these are startups like Tencent and Alibaba. So my my question is, is to what extent is China and places like Shenzhen and Guangzhou and the Greater Bay driving entrepreneurship in Hong Kong, or what? what to what extent is it coming from other directions? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, th- thanks for that question. It's actually that's one of the findings that we that we had from uh, from from our uh, study last year is to is. Is that that Hong Kong and Shenzhen are actually highly compatible in a in a way of establishing a larger ecosystem not only contained within each city but building something much bigger that can help to develop the entrepreneurial culture uh, within the region and so uh, and so actually what's happening that is that hong kong's uh, Hong kong's uh, uh, startup scene is very much driven by by local population but also uh, incoming expatriate population we saw a big influx for example of a uh, French community and there we have you know but quite pretty prominent fintech uh, group from from French community uh, so so there's there's lots of lots of uh, expatriate kind of activity here Shenzhen you could say the same thing about this the city why it's because uh, we can see a big selection bias in in who actually comes to set up businesses in, in Shenzhen. So, so when you start comparing the two cities, you immediately see that, for example, Shenzhen entrepreneurs have higher education, uh, educational level when they start, which means that people who actually get degrees, they think about starting a business somewhere in China, they think, okay, when, when can I potentially do it, which g- will give me the best, uh, uh, best opportunities? And they say, okay, well, Shenzhen, hmm. let's go there, right? And so and so we can see, so there are several other indicators like that. For instance, um, the informal investment rates, right? Uh, in general in general populations worldwide, the informal investment rates will be hovering somewhere around probably you know five percent in in uh, developed economies, meaning five uh, percent of general population will make informal investments into startups. In Shenzhen, it's twenty 20 percent.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: So this is yeah, yeah this is like uh you know something unheard of right? Absolutely. And also also in terms also in terms of the amounts like uh in comparison to uh in, in uh, to developed economies where the uh deal size is something around 35,000 US dollars since Shenzhen is 76,000 US dollars, okay? Mm. So so you can see those huge differences in uh, in how uh, how this this ecosystem operates and hong kong is very much similar in that aspect the startups are quite different in both cities and but they are very compatible in a way that they can collaborate and, and what markets they actually address so so we see this big uh, kind of the, the the greater bay area is actually happening right mm. as as we as we see and so i think the you know for example this um, the trade that we just that was has been just launched this is another way for for the two cities to connect in a stronger way and to collaborate even, even even better.
1: So that that data that you just shared, Marta, that was fascinating. If we could just revisit that, if I can yep. just relay that back now. So the informal investment rate. So I guess early stage yes. investing, angels, early stage well individuals. Mm-hmm. So five percent was the benchmark globally on average, yeah, roughly. Yeah. And then $35,000 was the ticket that people yes. were investing in. Whereas in Shenzhen, it was 20% of the population. and then, It's so,
0: actually
1: 20.5. 20.5. <laughs> <laughs> 20.5. This is really interesting because 20.5, I mean, it, it's only one-fifth, but actually that is phenomenal, really. Because, yes. you know, when we operate, I, I'm an entrepreneur, I live in entrepreneurial world. It's easy to think that that's the world and everybody out there is an entrepreneur, but they're not, you know, there's another world out. There's a lot of people who work in the public sector, you know, the health services and so on who aren't entrepreneurs, but to have 20% of the population investing in startups is massive. How does that compare to, do you have comparative data for say Silicon Valley? I mean, or other places in the world, what, what comes near to that?
0: Uh, well so uh, Shenzhen is absolute uh, it's absolute ex- and absolute exception uh, for uh, for the world um, but uh but but you know it's uh, it's I think I think it's because of the self self selection bias right, because yeah. people who want to start do business they do business there we do not have the compare comparative comparable data for Silicon Valley for example because the study is set up on the country level so so we can we were actually unique in running it in Hong Kong and Shenzhen separately mm-hmm. so we I can't really comment on the Silicon Valley, but I would I would say it's lower. You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that much of, of the people within the area to invest. Right. And we were actually shocked when we saw this result. You know, yeah. it was true to us was really you can imagine one person in five yeah. that you meet yeah. Is willing to like is ready to invest in your business. That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, right?
1: Right. Exactly. And it, that that's the, well. It could be more than that. I mean, be you know, the people you actually meet will be a lot more concentrated, right? Because you'll yes. be meeting tighter circles of people of which there'll be more investors. And you raised a really interesting point, Martha, about self-selection bias. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned earlier about education. So you know, the highly educated and skilled entrepreneurs moving to Shenzhen. Mm -hmm. You're you're getting this sort of virtuous circle now, aren't you, where you have, you know, what happened in Silicon Valley, I guess, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, where Mm -hmm. you have educated, skilled people moving to an area where they know they can be surrounded by like-minded people and they can raise money. And that, therefore, creates more of the same and also less of people who aren't doing that. So you get this concentration of activity in a place like Shenzhen. Could you, I mean, for those who are unfamiliar with Shenzhen, we've got to talk about that a little bit, haven't we? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if many people outside of Asia know where Shenzhen is or mm-hmm. what, why we're talking about it. Why do we need to know what it is and what its role is in the global entrepreneurship ecosystem?
0: Right, uh, so Shenzhen is a, it's a mainland China city which is just across the border from Hong Kong. And uh, probably 30, 30, years ago or 40 years ago, it was nothing but a little fishing village. And, um, and from this, it evolved into this huge city, which is, which, which has, uh, which is, has double, double population of Hong Kong. And, uh, and it's, it's actually, uh, where Hong Kong, uh, outsourced most of its manufacturing activities so what happened is when when hong kong was was undergoing the uh the 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 industrial development most and because of land of of scarcity of land in hong kong most of the their the factories and manufacturing uh, capabilities have been put on the other side of the border Mm. um and so from this shenzhen developed into this uh, uh this manufacturing but uh Mostly uh, high tech manufacturing uh, center for uh, for the region, and another thing that that uh, that happened is that uh, mainland China made it actually into the special special uh, economic zone, where they invest heavily in the development of int- in the infrastructure where they have provide some subsidies for entrepreneurial development and so on so this is a place where where actually the entrepreneurship is being uh, nurtured mm. uh, on the a, on the a on a larger scale and so not surprisingly we have this effect this silicon valley effect right where where we have people coming to set up businesses in that particular area because they know it will be uh, less, of, less of a hassle in terms of you know administrative burdens uh,
1: taxes and so on and so forth right Mm. so yeah sorry go ahead no no go ahead yeah i was gonna ask you what does that mean to a place like hong kong because because shenzhen becomes such a draw such a magnet that i mean it's beneficial being next to next door to it and only 15 Mm -hmm. minutes away but at the same time in terms of talent so i think about your students graduating now and then think back to Let's say go back to Europe. If you were, you know, a, a very talented entrepreneur in London, born and mm-hmm. grew up, you know, it would be very easy for you to relocate and go to the U.S. and raise funds there. Or if you are, let's say, a Polish startup, it would be a lot easier for you just to go to Berlin and you mm-hmm. know, start your business there. You know, you could raise funds there a lot easier than in Poland. So you have this sort of brain drain in the old school sense, don't you? Of this, these sort of black holes of of talent, you know, and Shenzhen is one. So, what does that mean for Hong Kong in nurturing its own ecosystem? Does it mean it has to be different, or will it just provide talent to Shenzhen? Or what's going to happen?
0: Well, actually, uh, so thanks for the question because because it's it's quite interesting since the two ecosystems are highly complementary, but they are very different in a sense that uh, that Hong Kong startups are catering more to uh, to service uh, service. Uh, uh, opportunity service-based opportunities. They are more looking into the uh, uh, international mar- markets for expansion uh, and they are concentrating on like very much different uh, industries than than Shenzhen than startups. Shenzhen startups are much more tech-driven. They provide they provide like the deep level of deep innovation kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, ideas and opportunities and uh and they are very much targeting mainland markets, so I do not see like I see the cooperation uh here I do not see like obviously there will be some some uh, talent going back and forth, and this is what we actually are right promoting right now the this collaboration between the two cities right and the uh, and the kind of the the transfer between reaching those where people have high mobility between the cities and they can they can set up businesses like That are catering to both types of opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. The international service and then and then deep tech uh, mainland China thing, but but I I, I can see that as 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 an opportunity. Uh, Also, when we looked, we actually looked in our study into the uh, uh, the ecosystems. How these two different ecosystems. are different from each other or, mm. or they, they are similar, in a sense. And so there are kind of, you know, uh, like 12 different categories in which uh, experts, we, we actually interviewed AT, over 80 experts to tell us what they think about these two places, how, how they do in terms of uh, finance, education towards entrepreneurship, government policies, physical infrastructure, and all those ingredients of the ecosystem, right? And so what happened when we mapped it out we saw that uh, separately, the, obviously, they have some strengths and weaknesses, but when you put them together, they basically score number one in the world on almost every single category that there is. Mm. Okay. And this is a very, very powerful message for actually seeing this, 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 the co- collaboration between these two as, a, as an opportunity.
1: Mm. so it 's important mm. for anybody who 's involved in an ecosystem and certainly those who are on the planning side mm. and supporting an ecosystem to identify that you know each of these ecosystems has an individual strength and a weakness and to double down on the strength rather than being. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know Silicon Valley is, is the benchmark, but Silicon Valley itself is changing. You know, if you go back to the the origins of Silicon Valley and you look at the Hewlett Packards and the Xeroxes and so on, it did everything from hardware to services. Yes. Now, you know, we're seeing this fragmentation, isn't it? So, like you say, Shenzhen would be more of a a hardware and deep tech yes. Silicon Valley where. If I'm understanding right, Hong Kong would be services like Fintech, for example, because it has the the banking and the financial services legacy yes and and anybody else around Asia as well, they have to understand where their their position is, so like Thailand may be more focused on you know like travel, hospitality, and food tech maybe. And Singapore as well. It can't compete as another Silicon Valley in its own right. It has to say, okay, this is what's strong about this city and this region, and let's double down on this rather than try and be everything and be very average at that.
0: Yes, that's correct. That's correct. This is and this is exactly what we have been advocating through this through this research is to show that you know there are, there are different ways of, of of having this this advantage over other ecosystems, and we don't have to be all the same. We can actually build on our, you know, on our cultural background, on our on our strengths and and the, and the history of of the of certain of certain places. Mm. But coming back coming back to to Silicon Valley, this is something that I'm super happy to share. Actually, I just uh, two weeks ago I went to uh, to a lecture. There was the founder of the World Economic Forum was here uh, with the, with a brief visit, and and uh, one thing that that I took from his absolutely amazing lecture What was that he mentioned when he was talking about startup ecosystems he mentioned Silicon Valley and uh, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Greater Bay in one sentence as the two ecosystems, the, mm. the b- biggest ones and the most important ones in the world. And why this made me happy is because Silicon Valley has what 60, 70 years of history right? It's, it's a, a long, long, t- long long thing like it has been ongoing for, for a very very long time and we just started right mm. <laughs> the whole thing started maybe what in 2012 2013 if i if if i really try to pinpoint the, the the you know the exponential growth when it when you when it became uh, became a, such a such a big thing so within just five years to, to we managed to to achieve almost almost impossible i would say
1: mm-hmm. yeah this is a fascinating area isn't it because we're at yes. the very beginning and I think it's it's kind of difficult isn't it, to see the master plan if you like, when you're actually inside it, and that's why it, it it's a challenge you've got to step your research I think is fantastic in helping people understand where this is going and help people step outside and say, "Oh, look at what's going on I mean, if you were to go to Google, for example, Google Maps and I, I challenge anybody to do this listening as well is go to Google Maps and type in the Greater Bay, and it actually takes you to San Francisco. It doesn't <laughs> cause so the idea the Greater Bay doesn't exist geographically yet. I mean it's an idea and it's sort of coming yeah. together. But let's fast forward if we can, Marta, sort of ten years, fifteen years from now, if we went to twenty thirty and beyond, what will the Greater Bay mean? Especially, you know, for kids graduating from, you know, college, from university, you know, what will the Greater Bay mean to them? in 10, 15 years? will it be like a de facto? Will it be an option? And how, how do you think people will be thinking about it in those terms?
0: Well, I, I think, I think it will be much more, uh, much more co- cohesive in, in the sense that we already see the, the infrastructure development right in the, in the area. So every single city will be connected to each other. It will be very easy to commute from one place to another. And so just like right now, uh, we commute from from I know from Kowloon to Central in fifteen minutes. That would be the same. That would be the same case for commuting from from Hong Kong to Kwan, to Guangzhou, right? Mm. So so this those. Uh, physical barriers will not be there anymore. And so I imagine that people will be more uh, able to leverage different opportunities that that those different places are offering. And that's why we're trying to, in our research, look into the strengths and weaknesses of several of different places and see how we can potentially achieve this this uh, this synergy effect between between different different cities and how we can build opportunities across these these uh, these different cities Mm. and so i this is something that i see i see happening already right and and this is what we are saying to our students as well is that don't think don't don't really think locally and and don't really think in one direction think think inwards think also what what opportunities the whole area is bringing to you and and how you can leverage that for for building building your businesses in the future
1: Mm. great advice that's Marta Deveco everybody research assistant professor at Hong Kong Baptist University Marta where would be the best place that people can find out a bit more about you and also importantly your research
0: Well, I invite them to visit our uh, entrepreneurship center's website, which is Mm aic.hkbu.edu.hk. And this is where you can find our Global Entrepreneurship Monitor study. And, uh, and please also visit my, uh, LinkedIn profile and you'll find the links to all the reports there as well. So they are freely downloadable because as academics, we feel compelled to share our knowledge Absolutely. with everybody.
1: Well, you're doing great. And, and I love the research that you're doing. And I think we need thanks. to give it more prominence and help share it on the global stage, not just to people in Hong Kong and China and Asia but to people outside as well to understand what's going on. So thank you so much, Marta, for coming on today and sharing a little bit about your journey and your research. And uh, it would be great as well at some point in the future to get an update when you have new research coming out to get you back on the show and to share with us your findings.
0: Wonderful. That would be great. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.